Welcome to Dazer Update for July 10th, 2022. I'm your host, Chris Ologi. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Dan Reb Victorio. And yeah, we have a big week of news here as a bunch of stuff has been dated. It seems like we're in the the time frame here for the next couple of months where if you're coming out this year, you better be telling people about it. Yep. A few big uh, names out there doing that. Uh, one of the games we featured last week where people were harassing him for not announcing a date. Uh, got a date. Not because of them. Uh, mm-hmm. So they can still fuck themselves. But uh, we have that. We have a game that's got a grand return and a date for this year. That is a bit surprising. We got delayed delay into uh, next year. And uh, yeah, we yeah. got some... Some neat stuff here in PlayStation Indies did a series of announcements of, you know, things coming to their platforms and some dates and such. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll talk about that. And hey, E3 might be actually back uh, because ESA did a pretty smart thing. We'll tell you all about that and we'll get to more stuff there. Uh, but before we do, we'll get to what we've been playing here. Uh, for me, mm-hmm. I... Uh, we'll start here with Klonoa Fantasy Reverie Series. Mm-hmm. A mouthful for a fairly simple idea of a remake. Well, it's not really a remake. A remaster of the first two Klonoa games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the PS1 game that I think this is the Wii version mm. uh, for that. Uh, but they put a weird filter that I guess is supposed to make it look like a PS1 game. Or something like mm-hmm. that. It's it's a very weird looking thing when I put it on. Uh, I had to take it off because it just didn't it didn't do it for me uh, for that. Uh, but yeah, I've mostly played Klonoa One so far as I just got this last night. Uh, it is you know a two point five D platformer, meaning that you're moving around in a linear fashion uh, from side to side mm-hmm. on levels. But the the track that those levels go on twists and turns. Around uh, and occasionally you have to uh, pick up enemies and throw them into the foreground or the background to uh, you know collect stuff or break stuff, whatever the the need arises. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of the 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 PlayStation Kirby kind of game where it's a very chill game uh, for the most part. Uh, there's nothing really too complicated about the. Uh, the mechanics or anything, you know, it's jump, you mm-hmm. get a button for grabbing onto an enemy that then you can use to, you know, throw them, you know, left or right or foreground, background, where you can use them to get a higher jump uh, for platforms that are needed for that. You can have a flutter jump like a Yoshi in uh, Yoshi's Island kind of thing, but it's not as, it's not a super useful jump. Uh, for what I've seen so far. Uh, there is one weird like mechanic where the uh, I think they have a thing for collecting 150 of these gems in a level, but there are not 150 in a level. Uh, you eventually run into a, a thing that doubles your gem input for a bit, so you're going to have to very strategically uh, use that to get that limit, and I'm not even 100% sure what the, the limit is for, but they show it to you on the map when you uh, work your way between different levels mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, 
that's kind of maybe the most like hardcore thing it has there is some sort of arbitrary collection thing that I haven't been able to do though my first uh, stage I completed I had 149 somehow mm-hmm. uh, they don't even show it to you while you're in a stage so that's kind of the the thing that really obfuscates what that thing does but uh, so far I've been uh, mm-hmm. through a few stages uh, beat one boss it seems like it's two stages and then a boss fight uh, mm-hmm. so nothing really too complicated and I don't think it'll be a super long game for the first one though the the weird thing they've done with this collection since it's one uh, collection of these two games is it's one platinum trophy for both uh, so you get like half the trophy list for one game which is mostly just get all of the beat all the bosses and like one for getting all the collectibles a couple for that stuff and same thing for the second game so there you go it's uh, 40 bucks for that there's demos out now on all the platforms uh, so you can mm-hmm. check it out ahead of time to see what you're getting into. And it seems like it runs pretty well on the Switch for people that are doing that. I'm on PS4 and PS5. Uh, playing the PS5 version, which they put tooltips in the loading screens, and they're so short I can't read them. So that's great. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a, a fun collection. I'm looking forward to putting some more time into that. Uh, but let's see. Also been playing Fall Guys since that has sort of been a relaunch as a free-to-play game. Been mm-hmm. sort of checking that out because they have an event going on that ties into Fortnite and Rocket League. That is a pretty simple event for just getting through, you know, X amount of rounds. I think 100 is the the last one, the last uh, goal. And I'm working my way through that. So generally successful game uh, that is as long as it usually goes. It's like five rounds. So... Mm-hmm. You could time that out, but you know there's there's a number of starting stages where I haven't played them as much, or there's enough uh, fuckery in there that causes me to lose out early on, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Uh, so occasionally have some some bad runs, but still enjoying my time with it, and you know working my way through the the battle pass that it has for that. But yeah, now the the store is more Fortnite like where they have, you know, paid currency that is required for the, like, licensed items, that kind of stuff. Uh, Similar to Fortnite, you know, it's like eight bucks for a thousand of those coins. Uh, And there are DLC packs that you can purchase that get you, like, a a neat little outfit, plus some some of that currency as well that is, like, more... more value than you would get if you just bought the currency straight up. So there's options for that kind of stuff, but I'm still sticking here with my like dumb Sonic outfit or uh, Ratchet or Clank, something like that. But yeah, that's a uh, fall guys. Still a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. The weird thing is that there are trophies that I can't seem to earn for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like for winning a game, which I've done a couple times in the past few days uh, and some other stuff that seems like it's, Bucky, I don't know if it's Bucky because uh, I brought over a save, you know, progress from uh, the previous uh, version of the game, that kind of thing. I don't know what that is all about. Uh, so I have to do a little Googling and see what that's all about. But there's that. I've been playing more Rocket League as they have their seventh 
anniversary event going on, working through some of that. The the neat thing for the the various challenges tied to that event is they have half of them that give you actual paid currency uh, for it. I think it's up to 300 of that total if you complete all the the challenges for that stuff. So it's a nice little bonus there that don't really see uh, too many of these games doing in events. Mm-hmm. Uh, giving that kind of stuff out. Uh, it's usually limited to battle passes or things like that. So, yeah, still enjoying that a lot. And playing some uh, PlayStation Plus stuff. Uh, I think both these are on the extra tier. Legends of Eternal, which is an indie game that is a basically like an action platformer. Uh, I was going to say maybe an RPG, but not really because there's no real leveling up. Uh, but is a game published by Natsume Atari, mm-hmm. uh, publisher of other things out there. But uh, this is the the first game for this studio, uh, Lucid Dreams Studio, and it kind of builds itself up as a very kind of story heavy game uh, about a a boy who is returning home and finds things have been messed up and his parents are gone and kind of sets out to figure out what the hell happened uh, and rescue his parents. Hopefully uh, the worst has not happened and it is, you know, 2d kind of uh, almost like paper craft style to it a little bit. Although the weird thing about the, the art styles, none of the, the humans have eyes. They just kind of don't have any eyes on their face for whatever reason or mouth, I guess uh, it's a little weird style, but it, it's probably something that uh, simplifies things for them a bit. But, uh, yeah, you're just going through, you know, doing platforming, hitting stuff with your... Uh, you start off with a fishing rod that you just hit people with. Uh, no real fishing attacks with that. Uh, uh, pretty simple stuff. But then you get uh, some some upgrades here and there. I got a second weapon now. Uh, though I have trophies that I need to get 300 kills with each weapon, so I'm going back to the other weapon, even if it's not as tough uh, or as a high attack as the other one, but the, the new one also is a little bit slower for the increased power, so there's kind of a reason to kind of switch back and forth, I guess, there. Uh, but yeah, it, it kind of just plugs along. Nothing really too challenging, though the it kind of has a weird little crafting system to it where it's not really crafting. You just collect gems as you go. And if you have enough gems, you can use special abilities. And one of which is essentially like an Estus flask uh, near save points are bonfires, but they're not dark soul style bonfires or anything. Uh, they mm-hmm. have like two of them. One that's refills your health up to a certain point and another one that refills it all the way, but I've only seen one of those. So that's mm-hmm. not very common. So that kind of just reinforces that, you know, if you have enough to refill your health and you, you know, have a couple uh, chunks of health off, uh, just refill it and you'll get enough red gems by the next time you need it to fill it up. So there's nothing really too challenging about it. Uh, the trophies is not going to be like an easy platinum because it has trophies for like beating it under six hours being on each of the difficulties, that kind of stuff. Uh, and I don't think it's necessarily that fun for a for replaying it that much. Uh, but all the rest are pretty easy for just like beating bosses and doing some fairly basic things 
for that. But yeah, the story story is like, ah, oh, here's the legend of this kid. And so every time he died, it's like, oh, I didn't go this way, luckily. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's pretty uh, solid for what it is. Nothing too offensive about it. So that's, that's a game to check out on PlayStation Plus Extra. Uh, and the other one I've been playing is Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon, Everybody, uh, which is, you know, a mystery dungeon game, an actual roguelike, uh, where not like what all the indies are uh, doing, uh, where there are, you know, gridded dungeons to go through. Uh, you, If you die, you lose anything that's not equipped in the dungeon. Uh, and I believe every time you start up the dungeon, it'll change up things, layouts, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so there's no real guarantee of, you know, min-maxing it. There's the television tutorial like, oh, there's, there's going to be traps. And there might even be invisible traps that you don't see because fuck you. Uh, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I believe this is a remake of the Wii game or a mm-hmm. remaster of it. Uh, so the uh, the visuals for the characters are... Not super great, but they've touched them up uh, just enough uh, to make it a pretty solid uh, looking game. That I forgot some of the the weirdness with the story, where essentially the whole thing is that this like comet seems to crash into this town that has a big clock tower that causes people to lose their memory every so often. That they the townspeople, I guess, like it. For some reason, mm-hmm. but uh, this comet is not a comet; it's a giant egg, and inside the giant egg is a baby that uh, can go into people's thoughts. Like they get into a weird state where they are susceptible for like this baby to go in and like see their thoughts and help them trigger their memories that they've been losing and uh, hiding and all that. Uh, so then your Chocobo also goes in uh, for that to do the fighting of enemies and all that. Uh, they do have options for making it a little easier and all that if you want to. Uh, mm-hmm. Less of the, the roguelike elements uh, that are that can be punishing. But they also do things like, oh, here's storage. You can put your money and your, your extra crap in there if you want to save it. Because uh, otherwise you risk losing it in you know a dungeon if you mess up too much. So, uh, but it seems pretty solid. I'm gonna probably play some more of this. And it has a a new buddy system to it, as the title suggests. Uh, that essentially you fight enemies enough, you unlock them as potential buddies to bring in with you into dungeons to help you out. And I think there's a two player mode that mm-hmm. uh, they can you know take control of one of those buddies and help you out. If you want, but yeah, this is uh, a neat little game. I think I've played the Wii version. I probably did a review, and I don't remember too much about it since then, because uh, it was kind of one of those games that was fairly easy to just play it and never think about it ever again mm-hmm. uh, on the uh, the Wii. So yeah, that's that's another game you can check out. You don't have to pay whatever it is, fifty bucks. Maybe on sale for like twenty five bucks here. Uh, either just in the past few weeks or for the next couple weeks, but there you go. That's been pretty much it for me. 
How about you, Brandon? Uh, well, um, as for me, I, I am still playing Skyrim. Um, I have finished, you know, the main campaign, and I, I've also finished the uh, the campaign in Solstein. So now I'm going through the Dawn Guard stuff, which is where you go to this group called the Dawn Guard, who are vampires hunters and this you know this intrigue with this clan of vampires that are also around um and uh you know i've, I've gotten significantly stronger now than when i started all this stuff so the enemies aren't quite as difficult as they were originally the thing about the vampires though is that they have this thing where they can basically attack you and use that attack to you know drain you of your life force and then that heals them um also, at some point, I apparently became a vampire, and I don't know how, because I explicitly, like, um, you know, I explicitly refused the offer from the head of the vampire clan, but I'm guessing there is something in the story that I missed where that happened. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm also playing that. I also started playing Remnant from the Ashes again. I made myself into a new world, um, and... Uh, I, for the record, I do like like this game a lot, but compare when compare one of the issues that I think a lot of these types of Soulsborne inspired games have that I think like Elden Ring did a lot did a went a long way to solving is that after playing Elden Ring, all the Soulsborne games uh, their environments just look really drab in comparison. Um, but then again, that's sort of me comparing it to Elden Ring and. That's kind of not fair because Elden Ring is a friggin' masterpiece. Um, yeah, that game was nuts. A super high budget game. Yeah, uh, Remnant was very much a sort of mid tier type game that ended up kind of catching on because you know there was a drought in Soulsborns at the time. But um, and then uh, also playing a bit of the Quarry as well. Uh, still not too much into that. Uh, I kind of called some of the twists like pretty early on i think mostly because uh i've you know again i've i i've watched a bunch of these movies already and i kind of figured out oh uh yeah so these guys i thought were the villains aren't actually the villains um and some of this other stuff but yeah that's what i've been playing what about you dan Rip? yeah it's been a bit of a bit of a busy week because of the uh, holiday but um i did get uh-huh. some gaming here and there uh on monday um, played a little bit with the family. Um, the plan was to actually play the quarry, but like there weren't mm-hmm. as many people there, so we just played some like switch stuff. So we played some uh, WarioWare, get it together, and um, mm-hmm. there was a lot of um content that I didn't realize was there for multiplayer aside from like the the campaign stuff, and like a lot of it was um was interesting, but um like yeah, I don't know how many of you played uh, WarioWare, get it together, but like the whole niche with that game is that every character plays differently but ultimately does the same thing like you know you have the one guy who can like shoot guns wario where or wario can fly however he wants on however he wants on the screen you have one character who can only jump and that sort of thing so when you try to do things like play volleyball with these uh sort of and then uh, after that we play some mario kart some of the new courses which uh, have sort of pretty much uh pretty much been a ingrained in like the, the Mario Kart subset now and like we're just waiting for the new ones to come out and like they're they're due sometime soon so whenever Nintendo to decides to do another another direct I'm pretty sure one of the first announcements they'll make is the fact that they're doing some more Mario Kart courses because we do like what four more cups 
So yeah, looking forward to uh, what's coming there. Um, the main thing that I, that that I got to play was uh, the Live Alive or Live Alive or Live Alive demo, however the game. Is. And yeah, this was announced during the mini direct last week. Finally, found some time to go ahead and finish the demo. Um, three characters are at your disposal here, and uh, yeah, from like what, what I played, it was pretty solid. Um, it's it's also very different. So, out of the three characters you have. There's one in the future where you pretty much just use this robot that was brought back to life. And uh, yep. there's some drama going on with uh, uh, some people in the, sp- in, in the spaceship or how, however it may Yeah. And that's where, like, I started to discover that this demo um, is super bare-boned. Like, uh, yeah. compared to other, other JRPG demos I've played before... But then, like, as I continued to play with the other characters, I was like, okay, I see why it's bare bone. It's because they want you to really experience every facet of gameplay here. So with mm-hmm. the robot I was talking about, um, or the whatever it thinks, some sort of, like, alien creature. Um, so again, this takes place in, in the distant future. And basically, yeah. this was all, all, all about plot devices. It shows you how to really navigate the map and then show the importance of talking to people. As you, uh, mm-hmm. Another character you have is... Um, this ninja in the twilight of Edo Japan. So this is pretty much feudal Japan, and he uses this this shinobi. And this mm-hmm. is this was a rather uh, interesting um, chapter because I, I I thought it would be about mostly about action, but it's really mainly about traversal. So you have to move mm-hmm. your way from one point of the of of the map to the other, and it, it just really shows like how much depth this dungeon sort of had. So. There's two ways you can go about it. You can just and and I, I and as someone that played um, as someone that played Undertale, I was torn here because you have the you have the option of just killing everybody you see, or just you know slipping by with your uh, little stealth trick you have. And it's funny because like I don't know if there was actually a point on that map where I could have avoided enemies because some of these seemed scripted, and um, yeah, like. After you kill an enemy, there's there's all of a sudden you have a death counter, and I was like, oh shit, what the hell is that? So um, I went about it. I killed as many as I had to kill. I killed maybe maybe like four enemies. And mind you, um, this ninja is really underpowered. It was really really easy to die in this chapter, and I had a really really hard time. Um, but then as I made my way out or from one way of the map to the other, as I was supposed to, um, the demo just ended. And I was like, oh, well, that was underwhelming. It was about as underwhelming as the future one because, like, I just, you know, went from point A to point B and it was over. And it was the same thing with this, uh, with, with this chapter also. But the, the other interesting thing, um, aside from the stealth tactic, uh, is the fact that there's a lot of stuff hidden in plain sight. Um, mm-hmm. It's similar to Final Fantasy IV, where, like, you could, like, go, on, go inside a building and then go through the black parts of the building where you where it seems like you couldn't explore, but you end up just going off screen. There's a lot of that kind of stuff in, in, in Live Alive, and that's going to be pretty interesting going into the, into the real experience. And then the last yeah, uh, uh, area... What was that? I was going to say, uh, yeah, those areas are actually, like, a lot larger than the demo lets on, obviously. Like, there's a lot more involved. It just kind of showing you little bits and pieces of it before the actual game comes out. Did you get a chance to uh, finish it yourself? Uh, I've already played the game itself in its original form. Oh, so. really? Okay, nice. Okay, yeah. So, like, I'm I'm going I'm going blind. Um, I do know that you know there's obviously a lot of history with this one. Like, 
uh, this preceded Chrono Trigger. A lot of the same designers are on there. And uh-huh. part of the reason why this needed a remake is because if you go back to that original version, um, yeah, it's pretty clear. Like the, the graphics are nowhere close to what they are now. Uh-huh. That might even be, that might even be a reason why Chrono Trigger gets all the credit because that 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 game just culminated with, with with all the you know positive experiences you can possibly get. And like if you look at mm-hmm. a lot of like a, a lot of the resumes for a lot of people in anime and manga these days, uh, they owe a lot of their early success to Live Alive, which I was like, oh, mm-hmm. man, this this game really is like some sort of monumental piece in JRPG gaming, especially. So. Yeah. Yeah. One of the art directors is the guy behind Detective Conan. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah. He and you know, a group of others. Like he. He's not the only like major manga artist of that era that was on there, but he's probably the one that's had the longest amount of success. Gotcha. Yeah. And then the last one was uh, the Imperial China uh, chapter, and this was probably the lengthiest uh, chapter of of the ones that are available, and probably the one that I had time playing or. I had the most uh, enjoyment playing, and I actually just just did this one today, uh, so it's pretty fresh in my mind. And like you, you start off using this, you know, old uh, Sifu master uh, kind of martial martial artist, and he's breaking boulders mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, he has to recruit a party of four, and yep. you go along the map on on various parts of the mountain, and you recruit uh, a female bandit who is really really fast. Uh, you recruit mm-hmm. some some. Fat guy in town who ate up a restaurant and didn't pay for it, and then you recruit some thief. Um, and yeah, I mean it's pretty obvious like what these three characters are going to end up being are, are going to end up doing well once you actually get to the game's meet. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so he trains them, but first he he gets into fights with them, and it shows like it's it's funny comparing this chapter to the last one I played. Like, oh yeah, this guy is totally badass. Like he's killing everybody yeah. in one hit. He's throwing tigers with two moves and stuff like that. And yeah, just. Uh, just owning the house with yeah and yeah this one ended yeah and like on top of that there's like a bunch of other chapters as well there's one that's like a caveman chapter there's one that's in the wild west there's one that's like a present day sort of street fighter type thing there's one that's like a cyberpunkish type thing that happens later and then there's a middle ages one that kind of ties the whole thing together and it's uh like every Every single one of them is unique in their own unique way. It's uh, legitimately neat. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm scrolling through the chapter select now, and you only have the, the three that I mentioned available. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like, it's, it's interesting because the, the demo, as, as, as I've stated, like, two out of the three chapters, like, ended in a really, really weird and abrupt way where it's like, uh, yeah, like, you can go ahead and save your progress, but you didn't really make any progress, so haha. Um, whereas mm-hmm. like the last one I played, I was like, okay, that was enough. I, I, I kind of get like where the game is going. So yeah, like mm-hmm. my appetite is satiated in a way where like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm ready to go. But at the same time, like, I do think the demo could have been better, but like, you know, like Brandon mm-hmm. has, has played the game before, I guess it is pretty necessary. And like, you know, just, just scrolling through, uh, the other chapters that we don't have available. Like we have this prehistory guy, we have the wild west. We have mm-hmm. street yeah. thing. That's the cyberpunk one. It's kind of, it kind of, it kind of has like a minor, sort of, not quite, but kind of sort of a inspiration from like Mad Max and Fist of the North Star, but it's more cyberpunkish. Yeah. Uh, there's like a, there's like a giant mech that gets involved. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Like having, having played through all of the, all of Square's HD 2D remakes and like original games, like, you know, Octopath and then Triangle Strategy and then now this. Um, I'm really looking forward to uh, what the real game actually has. I don't know if they're going to do the Octopath Traveler thing where 
eventually all of these guys or no or actually no when you when you play octopath traveler you can play the game but like you don't really have any of them meet until the very very end whereas with this one yeah i'm not sure whether there's going to be like any sort of like meeting but everything i've played so far i am definitely excited for this game to come out in two weeks uh it's too bad yeah. it's during comic con but anyway I-, I won't i won't spoil it for you but uh will say that I'm going to be probably be getting this as well because I want to see you know what's different compared to the old to the original version. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like the the switch is going to go absolutely crazy as far as JRPGs with it with this month alone because yeah we have Live Alive next week and then we have Xenoblade Chronicles three the week after so there will be no blight of stuff to play and then don't forget we have uh, uh, Trails to Zero in like six weeks too so it's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward. To it. But that's about it. Oh, and we also have Xenoblade Chronicles 3 coming out at near the end of the month as Literally well. Literally after uh, Live Alive, Live Alive, yes. Yep. All right, so yeah, it is July, and Microsoft has given us the the first bit of games that are coming to Game Pass here. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about what we've got here available at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, there's Last Call BBS, uh, only for mm-hmm. the PC Game Pass. Uh, this is the last game from Zachtronics. We talked about that a little bit in uh, the last couple of weeks here uh, for that. So, yeah, that is a a game where you get gifted this, like, old PC that can dial into this BBS from, I think, your older mm-hmm. brother. Yep. Something like that. And so you can uh, download some games from the BBS to play. Uh, all that kind of stuff. So uh, there's some some neat stuff in there, especially for people that's played uh, PC stuff back in the day in the uh, 80s and 90s before, you know, AOL and all that kind of revolutionized how you got on the internet and all that. Uh, let's see. I guess they re-added a bunch of Yakuza games. Yakuza 0, Kiwami and Kiwami 2 are on uh, PC and console Game Pass there. Uh, if you didn't play those before, uh, let's see new stuff here. DJ Max Respect V is on console and PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a popular sort of rhythm franchise of sorts, uh, very much in uh, kind of the same kind of style as like a, a Guitar Hero kind of game uh, with the lanes coming down. But the I think they remap a lot of that stuff as a lot of Japanese rhythm games do to like, oh, there's a, you can have two lanes on, you know, the D pad and two lanes on the face buttons. Uh, it's kind of split up your controls, not put too much on, you know, one finger, one side, uh, kind of thing that I think you can customize all that, but it has a bunch of Japanese and like electronic music in it in there. Uh, I don't think too much that is like well known, but that's one you can check out there. Uh, let's see. Also available now, Matchpoint Tennis Championships. Uh, another of those uh, realistic tennis games. I'm curious to check that out and see if it's any good or not. So I think some of the, the stuff that's been coming out over the past like five or six years has been uh, underwhelming. Yeah. Nothing on the, the scale of like a virtual tennis or... Uh, the the 2K stuff mm-hmm. that they were doing at one point. Uh, so, yeah, that's available. Console and PC. 
Uh, let's see, also available now, Road 96. This is sort of in a narrative adventure game where you're sort of going on a road trip and you're making all sorts of decisions about people to take rides with and see how they uh, affect the story, maybe uh, affect your ability to uh, get to where you want to go. Maybe take yeah. uh, trips with you know shady people and all that. So there you go for that. Uh, the rest of these all seem to be July 14th. Uh, that'll be Thursday. Mm. Uh, let's see, there's Escape Academy for console and PC. That is a uh, game coming from, I forget, that's a, a studio of people that worked on actual escape rooms. And I believe mm. because of the uh, the pandemic, they you know couldn't really do those for quite a while. So they ended up deciding to learn how to make games and sort of make a game about going through escape rooms at this escape academy of sorts. Uh, that is, you know, all about just exploring these rooms, solving puzzles, and figuring out how to get out, that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, so that'll be on uh, July 14th. Also coming on the 14th, my friend Peppa Pig, console and PC. Uh-huh. So uh, one of those games for yep. the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. Let's see. Overwhelm just for PC on the fourteenth. That's the let's see. Action horror world platformer. Where enemies get power ups and you don't. So that yeah. sounds like fun. So I've seen Peppa Pig like advertised on like Twitter and like all sorts of gaming stuff. And like I know it's a popular kids series. Is this like a meme, or is that a, like an actual good kids game? Anybody know? Uh, those uh, are people. Yeah, those are people making fun of the yeah. notion of those things being on real platforms, I guess. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, because I, rem- I remember the whole thing with Corey in the house, so I was I was wondering whether this was a similar thing. Yeah, I'm looking at the Steam page and trying to see if I can find an actual review and not one that's just making jokes. Yeah, there's a lot of jokes here. There's a couple. Yeah. A couple people actually play the game. Maybe didn't buy it to make jokey reviews, but yeah. That's kind of the thing that's it's largely for, you know, parents and kids. Mm-hmm. And they're likely not to talk about it too much. Uh, but yeah, let's see here. Also for parents and kids, Paw Patrol the movie, Adventure City Calls, console and PC, mm-hmm. um, based on the, you know, popular kids show. I assume this is like a. This might be a little bit of an open worldish kind of game. Uh, from what it says here, it says a big city means a bigger adventure. Uh, so there you go. You get something a little bit bigger to explore there. Oh. And uh, yeah, the last one here is Power Wash Simulator. Breaking finally. Uh, which is neat to see. It's weird that they didn't announce it when they announced it was coming to. Xbox uh, mm-hmm. last month, mm-hmm. uh, like most other games did uh, during the, those Summer Game Fest events. So that's a little weird, but I'm excited. Not really for this bit, because I already own it on Steam. I'll play it there uh, first and maybe come over to Xbox at some point. I might stream on the, the Xbox version, because that'll be a little bit easier mm. uh, on the, the PC resources. But yeah. I mean, this, this is your game of the year, right? So you gotta be excited. Hmm. Yeah. I just don't need the Game Pass version. 
because I already own it and I already have uh, 60 hours into that, 65 hours into the Steam version. So is the game incredibly long, or is it just like one of those time wasters? Uh, it's as long as you want it to be. Uh, yeah, to a degree. Uh, there are a lot of jobs that are take some time to do. Uh, I think one of the biggest ones that you have is a it's like a big treehouse in the woods. Uh, that is, you know, you're cleaning off the top parts of the platforms as well as the bottom parts and. A lot of the, the annoyances with that particular map is that there are lots of little nooks and crannies that you can find dirt in that's hard to to spray, but also that's doing it with some of the the earlier game uh, sprayers that aren't as powerful. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of time you can spend in those games, especially if you're oh yeah uh, uh, one to just kind of there are people in the Discord like oh, I just deleted my save so I can start over again. Kind of thing, and I'm not one of those people. I enjoy just playing it and enjoying it, but they also have like challenge versions of the maps, some of the maps and vehicles that are like, I, you know, get this done as fast as possible or use only this amount of water kind of thing. But for the most part, it's just a a chill game. You can just kind of go at your own pace and, you know, tackle it the way you want. Uh, There are ways that you can try to min max things. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're trying to unlock the the more powerful washers and their various mm. extensions, so you can get more power and you know wash as much as possible without moving that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of it's kind of that kind of game. And yeah, it also has I think six player multiplayer, so you can even get some friends together to uh, work through it. Uh, so yeah, there you go. That is a uh, Power Wash Simulator out July 14th. It'll be on Game Pass, console, and PC. Um, they seem to say that House Flipper came to Game Pass recently at some point. One of those secret games, I mm-hmm. guess. So there you go for another kind of chill simulation game for that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Nothing else really here, but yeah, there you go. There's your Game Pass lineup for the, the first half of this month. And yeah, for uh, other subscription stuff, Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack announced a new game for the Nintendo 64 app. That is Pokemon Puzzle League on July 15th. Uh, Apparently in Japan, they're getting Custom Robo and Custom Robo V2. Mm -hmm. So there you go for that. Uh, Yeah, There's already kind of a version of this game on the regular Nintendo Switch Online. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Super Nintendo version of it's like Tetris Attack. Uh, but I think it's the Japanese version because that I don't think that ever came over on the Super Nintendo at least. Uh, so this is mm. that with Pokemon stuff to it, I think. When I looked at the trailers just like uh here's like little videos in the background. Uh that kind of thing. So there you go, the first N sixty four game that wasn't announced previously to be coming to the service. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're committed to just making it random stuff. Yeah. yeah, this is actually one I'm pretty excited for. I mean, like, having my old Nintendo Power subscription, I'd read about Pokemon Puzzle League, and, like, that was the one Pokemon game I've never played. So, yeah, I'll definitely give this one a shot. I've never played a Puzzle League game before, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's not too complicated. You just have a variety of blocks with different symbols on them, and you want to match them up in threes or fours or fives if you can. 
Mm. Uh, and they get your points and all that kind of stuff. And there's means for getting combos and all that kind of stuff for that. But it was like a, a new style of Tetris. That's very different from the old style. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's that uh, on the 15th. So next uh, Friday, I believe. Mm. You can check that out. Uh, well, yeah. let's get to some dates here. Games that are coming out in the next few months. Uh, here, first up is Frogun, one of those yep. PS1 style platformers, 3D platformers that is coming to everything. Uh, mm-hmm. PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC, August 2nd. Mm. Uh, there was a demo for this on Steam uh, for a bit for that Steam Next Fest. I don't know if it still is mm. available or not. No, it doesn't look like it. So, uh, But I heard good things about this one. Uh, so that'll be one to keep an eye on when it comes out in a mm-hmm. few weeks. Uh, so there you go. Uh, next up here, uh, there was a whole weird kerfuffle about how uh, Nintendo Switch trailers were being uh, privated on the Nintendo account, and that meant uh, the Pro, that's real again, uh, it's real. And then this was announced, a Switch OLED model. Splatoon mm-hmm. 3 Special Edition. Mm-hmm. 360 bucks. That's the thing that got announced. That's mm. the new Switch. Uh, it has, uh, for the defaults, you know, has uh, stylized Joy-Cons and a dock. Uh, that kind of very Splatoon-y, kind of weird, like, sticker uh, design stuff on there with a yeah. little bit of splat paint on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you already have a Switch and don't want a new Switch... Uh, you can get a Pro Controller for $75 as Splatoon 3 themed. I believe from what I've seen, this is very similar to the Splatoon 2 Pro Controller. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think the the colors for the handles are a bit different. And they also have a carrying case for that Switch OLED that is also Splatoon yeah. 3 themed uh, for $25. I'm not even sure if this comes with the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that price, because it's three hundred and fifty bucks for the uh, for the Switch OLED, I think. Wrong on that one. Mm. Yeah, it's it's, it's at three fifty for a Switch OLED alone. Yeah, Spectrum. so this is just ten bucks for uh, a little bit of uh, paint on the uh, dock and Joy Cons to change colors. So yeah, there you go. All the fervor for that. Mm. So yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if I didn't have one already, like. I'd probably be interested in this. I mean, the the pro controller looks looks pretty cool, and uh, I like Splatoon. But yeah, I'm pretty sure they're gonna do one for Zelda anyway. Waste some more money, but that's just the way it goes. And then as for the uh, previous comment you made about uh, all of the videos being taken down, and you know, then thinking of this Kit, uh, who used to work at uh, Nintendo in PR and uh, hosted, he also tweeted mm-hmm. that um, a lot of the deals with. Uh, the music in the background, as well as the celebrities, all ended at around that time. So, I'd expect that to be the yeah. Well, yeah, there yeah. you go. That is August twenty sixth. I will move into September. Ubisoft had talked about they were going to have a an Ubisoft Forward event mm-hmm. in September, and they finally gave that a date, September tenth, uh, twelve p.m. Pacific time at three p.m. Eastern time. Uh, to announce updates and news on multiple games and projects from Ubisoft teams around the world. 
and that's it. Mm. So we'll yeah. find out some more. Probably find out about the uh, the new Assassin's Creed game, Infinity, uh, when that is uh, going to get shown off for the first time. Probably not going to be coming out anytime soon, but uh, let's see what uh, what all they're going to be working on here for the the near term. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's that. Let's see. In September 22nd, the Diofield Chronicle, mm-hmm. one of Square Enix's uh, 50 smaller games they got working on. Uh, this is one of those. This is the strategy RPG mm-hmm. game that I guess also they call a simulation RPG. Yep. Strategy I don't know RPG. What that is about. Uh, strategy it's, RPG. It's a. Uh... Well, they're just calling it a simulation RPG instead of a strategy RPG. Well, that's what a strategy RPG is. It's a simulation RPG. That's the Japanese. Uh, yeah. I just call it one thing everywhere. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the one that has like a, a diorama kind of style to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that'll be on everything PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. September 22nd. I guess they're going to have a demo out August 10th. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that seems to be it for the time being. Again, mm-hmm. there hasn't been a ton of information out about. Mm hmm. Uh, so hopefully they'll be able to show off more of that here. Maybe the demo be their thing. Mm. Uh, we'll have to see. So there you go for that. We'll move into October, mm-hmm. where Microsoft has announced through emails that Xbox Live Games with Gold will no longer, will no longer be including Xbox 360 games in its monthly drops. Um. No news was announced as far as that it's going to mean more Xbox One games, like a third or a fourth to be included in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their message basically said, let's see, beginning October 1st, 2022, the monthly games provided to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate and Xbox Live Gold members via Games with Gold no longer include Xbox 360 titles. Mm. We have reached the limit of our ability to bring Xbox 360 games to the catalog. Our games goal will continue to include exciting Xbox One titles and exclusive savings each month. This will not impact any Xbox 360 games you've downloaded before October 2022. Any Xbox 360 titles that you redeem by Games with Gold before that time are yours to keep on your Xbox account, regardless of whether you continue your subscription. Thank you for being a loyal member, Team Xbox. Uh, which is not a huge surprise, because I think a number of the games they've been giving out in the past a uh, few months have included some dupes from prior releases from prior months. Uh, so they've been kind of cycling, recycling things from the past for a bit. Uh, so it's not really a huge surprise. There's not going to be a ton of people that necessarily uh, companies that want to, you know, put their games out for that stuff uh, on games with gold kind of thing. So there you go uh, for that. Let's see. Another one of Square Enix's. Uh, I would say this would be a smaller game, but they're charging sixty bucks for this game. Uh, Valkyrie Elysium. That they've finally given a date, September 29th, uh, for PlayStation Five and PS4. It'll be on Steam November 11th. Uh, and along with that, the Deluxe Edition was announced to be included, uh, including Valkyrie Profile Lenneth. 
So if you're wondering why like they're putting out this third game in the series and not any of the other two, well, they're doing one of those at least, mm-hmm. uh, which is the PSP remake of the original PS1 game uh, to make it available to people. So that'll be included in the deluxe edition, but will also be releasing on its own, I believe. Uh, so yeah, you should be able to check that out if that's just what you want to get, but it'll be part of the $75 deluxe digital deluxe edition of Valkyrie Elysium as well. Mm. Uh, so that'll be out same day, September 29th. Uh, so you can check that out as well. So Square Enix kind of pumping out a lot of news there uh, for mm-hmm. some of these games coming out here in the fall uh, for that stuff. But yeah, let's see. Yeah, we talk about Ubisoft having their Ubisoft Forward event. Uh, they uh, this week sort of said, hey, let's Announce a game like Skull and Bones. Reannounce it. Bring it back. Yep. Because that thing was a that, that that thing has been in development hell for almost six years now. Yeah, it's been quite a while since they announced this weird pirates multiplayer game mm-hmm. of sorts, and then just kind of went quiet on it after I think the second showing at E3. Yeah. And yeah, that's been a whole thing, and so they finally had a. Uh, stream earlier this week uh, to show some more of it off and announce that it's going to be out November 8th. Somehow it's going to be out soon, whether it's bad or good, I don't know. Uh, but definitely I watched the, the video they put up. Uh, the first part's uh, take it or leave it. It's just devs and their community people talking about the game and that kind of stuff. Nothing really too amazing there, but uh, they do a gameplay stream for the the last like thirty minutes or so of it that uh, shows it off pretty well, and it it looks like hey, what if you took Sea of Thieves and made the uh, the ship combat to be more like you know Assassin's Creed uh, Black Flag uh, that kind mm-hmm. of style and uh, make it Ubisoft as hell. Like, hey, here's, you know, uh, enemy bases that you have to uh, shoot up, which includes, uh, it's the, in, you know, contrast to usual Ubisoft style, where you have a person go out and kill a bunch of people in this, you know, camp or whatever. Uh, it just shows, like, different areas you have to blow up with your ship uh, yeah. to take it down, stop it from being a threat, whatever it is, kind of thing. Yeah. And there's a bunch of stuff like that as you're, you know, trying to get resources to build up your ship, uh, that kind of stuff by, you know, killing sharks and uh, other stuff, other creatures in the ocean, or maybe not in the ocean, I don't know. They show them, like, blowing up trees to get wood, and it's like, this is a silly thing. Because uh, you would just send out people to chop down the wood or just buy it from places that have it. I don't know. It's It's very much one of those games, but it could be neat. I don't think I'll buy it or anything. Wait for it to uh, go on a subscription service or something. But yeah, that's a that's a thing you can check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I gotta say, yeah, I, I gotta say the the thing that they showed um, it looks good because you know it's Ubisoft. But yeah, there's a bunch of stuff in there. I'm- thinking like yeah there is totally going to be some shit that they're they're definitely 
doing something shady here because I saw no mention of like what it's like to board ships or what you do there or you know anything outside of ship to ship combat. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think there's uh, any boarding or anything. I think it's literally just you interface with everything by shooting mm -hmm. it with a ship, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, even has all like the cosmetic stuff that you can do in a sea of thieves with your ship. Like the two guys are like, what do you, what do you want uh, my sails to look like so you can see them out of every other, every other ship that's going to be out there, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you can play it solo on your own. You can play in like uh, multiplayer servers with other people around. Because uh, if you're going around fucking shit up, uh, you'll gain some like notoriety that then makes you easier to find for uh, people that are maybe looking to uh, mess people up. Blow up some ships and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah. It seems neat, but I'm going to guess this is going to be a game that is rough at launch. Uh, just based on the way that Ubisoft typically does things. And a lot of the uh, like rumor mill stuff about this game mm -hmm. was like, mm -hmm. they're just trying to get this out. Yeah. To get some money back for this because it's been in development too long. Mm -hmm. uh, for the Ubisoft uh, way. So, yeah. There you go. That's Skull and Bones. Yep. Could be neat, but who knows? Or, or it could be complete shit. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the very least, I'm glad that they're finally able to get the game out the door. I don't know how many directors they have to go through or how many game times they've had to rehire several staffs, but it's not cheap to continue development for this long for a game that never came out. So, mm -hmm. you know, hopefully it is good. So, you know, like these, these people have a reason to keep their jobs. Otherwise, it's not exactly the easiest thing to go ahead and shuffle someone somewhere else, especially if it's a game like this where there isn't really something that you can easily shift someone else to. Like, you can't just go from here to, like, a Tom Clancy game or, like, you know, a Rayman game or whatever Ubisoft has in the game. Uh, we'll see. Uh, hope for the best there. But, you know, like we mentioned, first iterations of Ubisoft games don't usually end up being great. So we'll see how it goes. Um, this game never tickled my fancy at all. Um, in fact, it was probably more interesting at the start of its development versus now with the whole pirate theme. I was more mm -hmm. into the whole ship thing, but at the same time, would I spend 70 bucks for a ship fighting game? Probably not. So, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, we'll just have to see how it goes. Yeah. But yeah, something you probably don't have to be as concerned about and as questionable about is God of War Ragnarok. Uh, yeah. As the... Uh, the fervor over whether it was coming out this year or not that led to people literally getting harassed uh, for not announcing a date because leakers tried to claim there was going to be some state of play last month that would mm. be about this game and would give a date there and all that kind of stuff. And it's like that. You shouldn't be harassing devs because of what leakers and rumor people are saying, especially when I think the source of that was like a random comment on the PlayStation blog. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really understand the whole uh, storyline uh, timeline of when all this shit came mm -hmm. to a head on that front. But yeah, it's, it's weird, but they announced that, Hey, God of War Ragnarok is going to officially be coming out uh, to the PS5 and PS4 on November 9th. Yep. So good luck with that Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put out a 
trailer for it, CG trailer. I don't think they're going to uh, heavy on showing off a bunch of stuff here, like spoilery stuff on that. Mm. Uh, yeah, they say pre-orders for the the special editions is going to be going live July 15th. Mm. Uh, they have two special editions, I think. There's a digital one and a physical one, or there's two physical ones, I think. Uh, let me see. Yeah, there's a Jotnar edition and a collector's edition, both of which come with a 16-inch Mjolnir replica. Mm-hmm. They all come in a neat little like Knowledge Keepers shrine box. Uh, for yeah. that, so you get a steel book, though no physical copy of the game for that. Uh, but yeah, let's see. The collector's edition comes with like some dice, dwarven dice, mm-hmm. uh, two little uh, carvings of the Vanir twins. Mm-hmm. And the Yotnar adds on a vinyl record. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, some pins. Let's see what else here. A cloth map, uh, a ring. And I think that's it. I think it mentions that the, the box has some extra uh, secret compartments for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both come with a bunch of uh, pre-order DLC, like special cosmetic stuff and upgrades for things there. Digital soundtrack, mini art book, avatars and a PS4 theme, that kind of stuff. Uh, but you can also just get a regular digital deluxe uh, edition that just comes with all that pre-order stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's also the standard edition that uh, gets you that. Uh, but yeah, uh, there you go. Excited mm-hmm. to see that game uh, coming out here in about four months. Yep. I really need to go back to the first game and beat it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this game's going to be badass. There's no other way to go about it. Looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Yep, so there you go. And, uh, yeah, a hearty fuck you to all the people that were harassing devs yep. over this uh, release date. Absolutely. Fuck those people. Uh, but, yeah, speaking of release dates... Forspoken was supposed to come out uh, October 26th, I think, somewhere around there. Yeah, that uh, ain't October happening. 11th. <laughs> October 11th, they announced that they are delaying it to January 24th. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way they announced this is pretty interesting. As they say here, as a result of ongoing discussions with key partners, we have made a strategic decision to move the launch date of Forspoken to January 4th, 2023. All game elements are now complete and development is in its final polishing phase. We'd like to thank you for your continued support and patience on this journey. Excitement for the game inspires us every day, and we cannot wait to share this, share more about Forspoken with you later this summer. Mm. Which is interesting to say it was as a result of discussions with key partners, which I assume means Sony as the sort of main partner with that game. Uh, since it is a PS5 exclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that, so maybe they're like, oh, maybe you shouldn't put it out, you know, around uh, shortly before, you know, uh, our God of War game. Uh, yeah. Give yourselves yeah. a, a little more breathing room, and maybe put that game out in January. I guess that'll be around the same time as that Dead Space remake, mm-hmm. which is a a bit of a weird time frame. But that game probably would do better in that kind of time frame in the early part of the year mm-hmm. versus, you know, going toe to toe with 
you know, Call of Duties and God of War and uh, all that kind of stuff uh, throughout this fall. So maybe that works better for it. And they get some more time to polish it up and make sure it's ready uh, to go for that. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Forspoken. Yep. Uh, we got one more date here of sorts. Uh, the people that made that surprisingly solid Terminator game a couple yeah. years ago mm-hmm. uh, announced that they are working on RoboCop Rogue City. Yeah. Uh, for PS5, Xbox Series X, and S, Switch, and PC. Uh, will be coming out June 23rd. They put out a gameplay reveal uh, for that. And yeah, you'll be playing as RoboCop. I believe Peter Weller's doing the voice for that. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, you get all that stuff. At, it's his voice and his likeness that they're using. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it looks pretty good. Yeah. I don't know if the game itself is going to turn out, but it's probably going to be better than a lot of the Robo- RoboCop games that have been coming out. Yeah. Especially that one that came out on Xbox, original Xbox. That was, whew, yeah, that one was shit. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I'm really liking what they're previewing here. It looks really, really solid. Because um, it, it, it's, it is like a first-person shooter game, but it's like through RoboCop's visor. So if you've ever seen any of the RoboCop movies, you see... You know, frequent scenes of you know how his you know what his how he what he sees through his visor you know as he's working and it uses and like the game uses everything from like his target reticle to like reminding him of the you know the rules and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it looks neat. <laughs> yeah, and their reputation of you know making surprisingly solid licensed games that. Should be shit. Yeah. Uh, this is developer Taon is the one we're talking about with this that uh, seems to at least do some pretty solid work. Uh, they're a Polish studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Terminator Resistance is the game that they made previously. Uh, and they were part of the, the Nikon Connect event that just happened this week mm-hmm. uh, where they announced a bunch of other stuff uh, for that. So yeah, this... So he's done some surprisingly solid work on these kind of games that generally you would not expect to get yeah. that kind of uh, response. Oh, these are the people that did the the heavy one of the heavy fire games at least, which are like yeah. they look like first person shooters, but they're mm-hmm. light gun style first person shooter games without yeah. a light gun. Yeah, and they did the Rambo game too. That's the same. Yeah, I was going to say that's. They did the Rambo game as well, and I think that's uh, why people going into the, the Terminator game are like, "Oh, is it gonna be like that shitty kind of thing?" And yeah. You know. So, yeah, yeah, they're ups and downs, but they seem to have found a pretty good groove there, especially mm-hmm. if they get some good funding there. So, yeah, that's worth checking out. Uh, and that's it for uh, the main date stuff. We'll talk a little bit here about PlayStation Indies. Had a little event where they just put up a bunch of announcements every 15 minutes on PlayStation blog of various indie games that are coming to their platforms. Mm-hmm. And we'll work through this pretty quickly. Uh, they did, did a blog post here for Sea of Stars, announcing it'll be coming to PS4 and PS5 mm-hmm. uh, whenever it's out next year. With some yeah. uh, combat details. If you want to learn how yeah. that works. So mm-hmm. was Sea of Stars never confirmed for PS4? 
It was Switch and PC. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, that'll be happening. Skim, one of the games that was revealed at the Day of the Devs last month mm-hmm. uh, for PC only is also going to be coming to PS5 and PS4 mm-hmm. when it's out sometime next year. That's the neat little like platformer where you're a, a shadow creature that uh, has to stay in the shadows, and you do that mm-hmm. by... Uh, you're set in like a Dutch-inspired uh, town, various mm-hmm. places where you're jumping between shadows. You know, people walking around and street signs and vehicles and all this kind of stuff. It's like a neat little mm. uh, touch for a platformer kind of game. Mm-hmm. It looks really neat and has a nice style to it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Uh, that is one of those games I'm really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Just see how that turns out. So let's see. Signalis is a yep. sci-fi horror game mm-hmm. that is coming out October 27th for the PS4. Yeah. Kind of get in. Uh, it's PS1-ish kind of inspired. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily Resident Evil style, but it's very much going for limited like viewpoints and all that kind of stuff for that. Yeah, of uh, all the games that they showed on these indies announcements, this is probably the one that spoke to me the most. Um, I used to play the hell out of, you know, the OG Resident Evil and Silent Hill and Dino Crisis and stuff like that. And even now when they've, like, updated, you know, both Resident Evil 1 and 2 and they've brought, like, more modern graphics into it, those old games are still incredibly creepy. Um I don't know if it's just if it's because of the polygonal graphics or whatever that because the whole like I guess the whole format is just kind of janky on its own and it just makes it really uncanny I guess but yeah I was looking at this and I'm like yeah this 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 is the game I want to play of all of these yeah yeah so that is going to be out in October October 27th mm-hmm. So there you go. You can check that out. Let's see. The Tomorrow Children Phoenix Edition, which had been known it was coming to uh, PlayStation for a while. They finally announced the dates, September 6th uh, for Europe and North America, September 7th in Japan. That mm-hmm. is that's uh, exactly six years uh, since they shared their first exploration into the void. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is what they call the world of the tomorrow children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is nice to see. Uh, they're finally getting that out again. And yeah, they've mentioned, I think they put, yeah, put up a whole list of here's like all the new stuff that is our quick roundup of some of the new experiences coming to the tomorrow children. Phoenix edition, it launches on PS4 with PS5 enhancements. Uh, yeah, they mentioned like 40 plus islands, including multiple brand new designs. There's a new in depth tutorial. That original game kind of just threw you to the wolves a little bit uh, for that. But you can, I believe, play solo as well as online if you want. Uh, so there's elements of that uh, stuff to it. Because like the original game was online only. So you essentially jumped into a town helping other people sort of build up stuff in the town as and protect it from kaiju attacks, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, they have a lot of new kind of elements and mechanics to this and 
things they've done. Uh, they say it'll be $40 to retail. And there'll be a special early bird bonus discount available during the first two weeks of launch. Uh, nice. So that'll be neat. Because uh, the original was free to play. And like they said, they ultimately, looking back on it, that was probably not the right move yeah. for it. So yeah, hopefully this all works out for them. Yeah. We'll see how that uh, turns out for them. Uh, Curse to Golf finally announced for PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Uh, PS5 and PS4 when it launches August 18th. That means it'll be on everything, I believe, at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Xbox, Switch, PlayStation, and PC. Uh, mm-hmm. That is a 2D golf roguelike. A roguelite. Yep. Uh, very much kind of with some of the framework of a... Uh, some of the other roguelites out there where you kind of have a branching map system of sorts mm-hmm. to go around in, but you're trying to complete 18 holes and that is very tough, especially mm-hmm. in the early goings as you have, you know, less abilities and cards and that kind of stuff to work with as the, the cards give you kind of special abilities and uh, ways of giving you more shots and all that kind of stuff to get to the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I figure that's worth checking out. And the last one is that inscription is coming to PS5 and PS4. Uh, they mentioned that there's going to be some, Special features for the PlayStation version, which is uh, that the the talking Stoke card that's in your starter deck mm-hmm. uh, will play its audio out of your controller. Yeah, like it's actually talking to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the atmospheric lighting in the game will be uh, also coming out of the controller on the uh, the touchpad light bar, that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, so there's that as they're encouraging you to play in the dark. They're adding a Let's see. You know, they're doing haptic feedback for the PS5 version, so you can feel everything, like the the pliers pulling out your own teeth and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a game to check out. That's I think it's Switch and PS5 and PS4, the only console versions announced so far. Yeah, that'll probably come out to Xbox at some point as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a very fun like deck builder roguelike mixed with like mm-hmm. a. An escape room, adventure, puzzler kind of thing. Yeah. And that's just like the start. That's just like the start of it, too, because it turns into a very different game afterwards. Yeah, it has essentially like X, where it kind of evolves what you're doing. Uh Kind of keeping you on your toes uh, in some really fun ways. So, yeah, that's that's a game worth checking out as well. Mm-hmm. on whatever platforms you're on. So that's it for the PlayStation Indies event. Uh, some nice stuff there for checking out. Mm-hmm. And we got three stories left and some big stuff here. E3 is going to return in 2023. Uh, this seems more likely now than I would have said when they announced it a few weeks ago mm-hmm. uh, because they have enlisted Reed Pop. Organizers of PAX, New York Comic Con, and Star Wars Celebration as the ones that will be taking over the planning of this event for next year. Mm. Uh, which should mean people that actually know what they're doing and how to create you know, solid events for consumers to enjoy. Uh, to make that all hopefully work out well. Because mm-hmm. uh, if this ends up not turning out well, then... 
E3 is fucked. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like, you wonder how this will end up. I mean, like, you know, the writing has been on the wall, whether we like event last few and they've the esa has pretty much lost the trust out of like almost every outlet there out there because you know they've they've leaked our fucking contact information and all that stuff and yeah like nobody wants to work with them so you know handing the rights over i don't know if that's if that's that, that's necessarily the case but like having a read pop like handle the event itself uh could be a little bit better as far as making the event a consumer based event uh versus like you know a press event you know um having been to both versions of press only and the one that was open to the public i heard that the, uh that the one that was open to the public the second time around was much better but yeah like it's always been a clusterfuck especially like going on with the uh with the pandemic now like you you can't just go to these and uh assume um you know like nothing bad's going to happen so that's 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 just something well, people have will have to get used to on their own right but yeah like moving back to e3 in general um i'm just wondering how it's gonna go because uh obviously you know we just had summer of gaming which for the most part has had the same trouble that it had the last two years with it being uh, um all over the summer versus like one condensed week um, there were a lot of complaints about the way that uh or not really the way but like the way that keely's event um in, in general flowed so like you wonder whether e3 can like capture some of this ground back or whether like you know read pop would want to have keely um deal with the press because they, they they did a good job with 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 the, with the press events this year so i don't know it's 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 going to be interesting moving forward i just wonder if it'll be able to recapture triple a's don't really care about e3 all that much anymore i mean you've seen all the heavy hitters pull out um yeah it's, it's tough to see them like wanting to put that in because you know doing an event in person is expensive and to be honest it's 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 a waste of money that we that they don't need. We'll see. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Reed Pop has done a pretty good job with pack stuff in uh, the wake of the pandemic. Though mm-hmm. you could argue in some instances those shows maybe didn't need to happen. But I guess uh, for companies like that that are event organizers, mm-hmm. you know they mm-hmm. have to take those risks to keep surviving as a company. Because they can't just keep uh, going on forever without ever actually doing events. Mm. Uh, so that's kind of the 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 catch there for their own stuff. But yeah, we'll have to see how that happens. I think it's going to be the second week of June next year. Uh, so yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on how things go and see if you know companies do show up. And sort of what mm-hmm. their presence is like. Because so I could see them essentially uh, trying to uh, let Jeff Keighley handle all the, the like press conference stuff, handling mm-hmm. all that, and let the uh, Reed Pop just handle the, the in-person stuff, mm-hmm. you know, the event itself, and any sort of uh, you know stage events, that kind of stuff. For, the, for their own purposes. Mm. Uh, since Jeff tends to do pretty well with the uh, with the show state the show stuff, if you can get uh, all these companies at E3, then maybe there's more reason for them to bring more substantial stuff than what it seemed like they were willing to do this year, which is mm-hmm. basically 
unless they had something concrete and direct to show, they had no reason to really bother with much of that. Mm. But uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, well, let's see. Second to last story here, Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, Sunbreak mm-hmm. has just been announced or released, I mean, and the it seems like things have done pretty well for the game as uh, Capcom mm-hmm. has announced that uh, the game itself, Monster Hunter Rise, has reached 10 million units uh, shipped, mm-hmm. uh, digital and total physical shipments there and for the uh, expansion sunbreak that has already reached two million units sold uh digitally obviously uh so that's pretty big uh for that series essentially to uh sell an expansion to you know 20 percent of your audience uh right mm-hmm. away here in the first couple weeks is uh pretty impressive stuff mm. uh, so right. yeah there you go. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing to see the rise of popularity of this franchise after it was originally a fairly niche Japanese one. And then just all of a sudden it exploded like right around the time uh, it showed up on the Switch and then COVID happened. And yeah. Yeah, I think Monster Hunter World was kind of the game that mm-hmm. really put them into this. Uh, stratosphere as that game brought that from being you know popular nintendo you know wii and wii u and 3ds game to you know platforms people uh the general audiences really played that would be into you know souls games that kind of stuff uh that could bring that over uh into the monster hunter as you're seeing like the success of the Souls games has really opened people up to these kind of jankier mm-hmm. Japanese games of sorts. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see that as well with Dragon's Dogma as people jump into that uh, for the first time or uh, for the first time since, you know, whenever they tried it out last when, you know, the Souls games hadn't like penetrated as much as they had, uh, where it's getting people into that kind of stuff. So, yeah, all these other series are kind of benefiting that from that big time, especially as Elden Ring is such a big hit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's it's an awesome thing, especially when you bring up Elden Ring, because, like, as you mentioned with both Monster Hunter and Elden Ring, both of these games were pretty much for, for niche audiences and who, who just liked the hard stuff. Monster Hunter is a little bit weird to really put in a category. Like, it, it's really more grindy role-playing game than anything. Uh but yeah, like there is like a lot of skill involved, and so so do, do those souls like games, and it's really awesome just seeing them succeed this way, uh, especially on the Switch. You know, I mean, like obviously, like um, I mean, for me, like I've been a fan of Dragon uh, or Monster Hunter for a while, and it was really Monster Hunter World that really put it over the top for me because of all the quality of life changes. And then once I started Monster Hunter Rise, aside from a slight hiccup in visuals. Honestly, Monster Hunter Rise is, I would say, it's better than Monster Hunter World, um, yeah. because because it it features a lot more challenge from the get go, while also being uh, kind enough to new users to really make them understand it. Like the the difference yeah. between Monster Hunter Rise and uh, Monster Hunter Ultimate, the previous Switch iteration, 
is just night and day because it pretty much took everything that Monster Hunter World made easier to do and just put it on Switch. And, and you know, just going back to what I said visually, like, I wouldn't say it's a far cry to say a Monster Hunter Rise is the best looking game on the Switch, period. Uh, you know, even, even comparing it to a lot of the first party offerings, uh, Capcom has really done a hell of a job with what they've done with Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter on the Switch. Like, in all, in all honestly, it, it's, it's only, um, weakness aside from like you know draw distance visuals is uh is it's online but monster hunter has never really had the best online anyway so it's it's just like the the, the, the japanese just understanding like you know what it is that they don't do so great just making it work in just some weird way so again like it's really cool to see them have this sort of success and again just what i said at the very beginning when with, with what we were talking about with, with, with the switch as a console and what they're doing with jrpgs um, it's just, like, you know, it's, it's really awesome to see, and I, and I hope that we continue to, to see more uh, development come this way. And, uh, you know, sure, like, the, the, the thing lacks some power, but Capcom has definitely um, done a great job for themselves, not only with the Switch, but, like, this generation in general. Like, they, they've made Resident Evil Monster Hunter is, is, is a huge uh, franchise in its own right, and like right now, they 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 can't do any wrong. Like I'm I'm really excited for Street Fighter. Uh, they're gonna have their uh, big San Diego Comic Con uh, uh, press conference in a couple of weeks. So yeah, uh, Capcom's just looking good. I'm just waiting for my beautiful Jill, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I have to say I'm surprised that they uh, they put Monster Hunter Rise out on PC, and I'm surprised there's not a you know PS4, PS5, you know Xbox version. Of that, and I wouldn't be surprised if Nintendo like made that a stipulation that they couldn't bring it over uh, for for uh, exclusivity reasons. Because I think mm-hmm. that's you know incorporating a lot of the quality of life stuff that World had to it, and you know bringing out even newer stuff like the ability to you know ride the big wolves and all that, and uh, more fun ways and easier ways to get around. That you know weren't even in world uh, would have made for that being a very popular, uh, even bigger success than it has been just on the Switch and PC. But I have to imagine that you know Square Enix or uh, Capcom would love to be able to have this this game on all four platforms and really capitalize on the popularity of increasing popularity of this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like the the main thing there that I've been uh, a bit surprised on because you know the you can easily tune up the the Switch version a bit as they've done with the PC version, you know, get it running really well, uh, get VRR and all that kind of support in there, and people would enjoy it a lot. Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing Nintendo's in there throwing down enough money to get them to disregard that and kind of keep this in the classic style of monster hunter games where those were largely only on the, uh, uh, the Wii and the Wii U and the 3ds once they made the switch over to Nintendo from the PSP stuff. So I'm hoping with whatever they're doing for the next monster hunter that, uh, maybe they get to do it for everybody at once. Whatever platform they're on. That'd be cool to see. Um, yeah, last story here. Uh, just a, a neat story here that 
a group of people archiving uh, things here for, let's see, it's Super Nintendo uh, English manuals. Like they're planning on doing every manual they can get, uh, Japanese, uh, all the European languages that they exist in, kind of get them all scanned, uh, high res, and put them up on uh, archive.org uh, for all that stuff. But they've announced mm-hmm. that they have completed every single English uh, Super Nintendo manual mm-hmm. uh, for every game in the library that came out in those uh, places. You can go check it out, download them, or just mm-hmm. go on the the, archi- the Internet Archive page there for it. Uh, and to, yeah, it's a little weird. I don't know why they don't link to the the entire collection. It's on uh, the Internet Archive. You have to go to the the Google site they made, or then they link to it. Uh, it has the entire collection. It's not super huge. It's like two and a half gigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but preserving this kind of stuff is cool to see, especially uh, this is probably an era where you might have just acquired these games card only from Funkoland or whatever mm-hmm. local trading places you had at that point because there were multiple uh, places at that point in time versus, you know, just GameStop or Bust at this point. And see some of the, the artistry that these manuals had. Uh, some were just, you know, very bare bones in terms of information, but a lot of companies just put in lots of information. And if you just stuck with, uh, you know, card-only copy and never looked up information on the Internet, you might have been easily missing information from some of this stuff uh, that is pretty easy to miss. So, yeah, uh, that is a, a cool little thing that's been done uh, that you can go check it out. And uh, grab them if you want. Uh, So, yeah, I think that will do it for the show this week. So, yeah, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Thank you to Brandon Danrev for joining this week. Always. We'll be back next next week with a new slate of news. Yep. As uh, things happen here, as January continues on, I think we should have a look at what is going to be coming to uh, PlayStation Plus for the rest of the month. Mm -hmm. As they said, they're doing their their second hit in the second half of July. And that should be getting at least an announcement sometime this week coming up. But yeah, thank you everybody for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, uh, feel free to let friends and family know that they should check it out and select strangers that will not harm you in any way, uh, physically or mentally. Uh, So yeah, thank you everybody for tuning in. I hope you have a good week ahead and we'll see you all next time. Have a good one.